when I talk to the sponsor, are they responsive? Yeah. You know, do they give me the answers that I want? Right. Um, you know, do they have a are, track record? Do they have a track record? Yeah. Uh, you know, who has who invested with them before? Right. Because, you know, you can have, and we can make comments, and you can have the perfect set of documents, but if you invest with the wrong sponsor, um, and they're over-promising, you know, kind of the flip side of what we talked about before. Uh, one other point on that, you know, are they reporting, you know, when they give you an IRR, is it an investor-level IRR? So are you getting true information, you know, and do you feel comfortable? Right. At, the, at the end of the day, is this sponsor somebody who you think you can trust? Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the third and final live event for Saturday here at the Intelligent Investor Real Estate Conference here in Marina Del Rey. Sitting next to me is a good bloke named Peter Fisher. Peter is the partner at Schlar Kirsch, I'm going to stuff that up, LLP. He's a syndication attorney and he's here to talk to us all about syndications and how you guys as syndicators and investors can be more wise when you are looking at different PPMs and different deals. But Peter, welcome. Thank you. I've uh, wanted to be on the podcast for so long. I'm a loyal listener, and uh, I'm finally here. So uh, let's do it. Let's do it, man. Well, look, we have been. I, when did I first meet you? Back in the uh, what was it? In, uh, it was IMN. About, it was about two years ago at IMN, I yep, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? what so we maybe, run in run in some circles together. Yes. But I think we officially met about two years ago. Yes, officially met about two years ago. But for all the listeners and, yeah. and viewerships out there. Tell, give us a bit of a background on what sure. you, you know, you're, you're a lawyer, but how did you yeah. get involved in the space and, and, and specifically syndication? So I had been in finance uh, in New York, general finance, doing corporate finance, bank finance, large syndicated loans for a long time, uh, large firms, multinational firms, uh, for about seven years before moving to L.A. Uh, moved to L.A., uh, it's a bit more of a middle market town. Uh, I wanted, you know, sort of to 
to move in the direction away from kind of those big firms and build my own practice. Um, I worked at some smaller firms here, I very briefly had my own practice, and then at the same time, I got involved in my own real estate investing. Okay. I uh, actually went to Jeremy Roll's meetups, who's here at the conference. We just had him on the um, live just before. Oh, he, okay. <laughs> very good. So uh, through Jeremy, I uh, got involved in Phoebe and you know, sort of started my own real estate career, mm -hmm. uh, investing career, and then at the same time, my legal career moved in that direction, uh, started representing some folks in the real estate business. And now that I'm at the firm I'm at now, with a large real estate practice, I can really leverage off that um, and move my practice really more further in that direction. So always a lawyer, always been a lawyer? I have always been a lawyer uh, for 15 or 16 years. Wow. Yeah. So the finance part piece in New York was law-related in Absolutely. finance. Absolutely. Yes. Got it. Got yeah. It. Representing Citibank, um, you know, doing loans to Exide Batteries with 16 syndicate banks. Sure. Sure. So I've always been in finance. Um, you know, always uh, kind of been involved in the deal side, representing both borrowers and lenders, and now mainly sponsors and helping them put their syndications and joint ventures together. Awesome, awesome. and, and you, you are a sponsor here this weekend. At I the, am, uh, I am indeed. Investor uh, I got roped conference. into that, no, but it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the crowd is great, a lot of other great sponsors. And you're uh, really on stage great tomorrow, right? I am on stage tomorrow at 9.30 talking about this very topic. Well, without further ado, <laughs> let's get into it, right? It's a let's bit of a it. prelude let's to tomorrow's um, awesome. the appetite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, syndication. Um, it's, it's the hot new buzz, everyone's yep. involved in it. Yeah. Um, people are changing the way they invest. So from a legal perspective, let's talk, let's break it down into sure. sort of the operation side yep. and the, uh, the, the passive investing side. So let's start on the operation yep. side. So give me your sort of maybe top five, and we're, talk, we're gonna talk about mistakes, about newbie syndicators, because yep. it is sort of a yep. newish type of thing. So right. on the operation side, what are guys doing that they probably shouldn't be doing um, in order to keep compliant um, yeah. uh, you know, with the SEC? Right. And so everybody's doing their syndications. You know, crowdfunding is a big thing. Uh, the market's great. So a lot of people are getting into it, you know, first time syndicators. Um, so there's a number of things. And a couple of them, honestly, have nothing to do with the legal documents. Um, we'll talk about those. But it's things like um, you know, over-promising and under-delivering. Um, not getting your team in place. Uh, you know, you've got two jobs as a syndicator, right? You're putting your deal together, you're doing acquisitions, but you're also going out and capital raising and doing investor development. Um, you know, one of the big ones is not to come to a conference like this and start handing out pieces of paper about your deal. Um, you know, for the most part, unless you're doing what's called a 506C offering, which we can talk about, and you know, then you're allowed to advertise, but you want to build your relationships, you know, get your team in place, and start building your investor base before you have a deal in your lap. And then you've got to go out and try to raise the money from a whole bunch of new investors, um, you know, and not have your documents together and the like. Um, that's the first mistake. That's, that's the first, you know, first and maybe second mistake combined. <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's really good to get involved in other people's deals, you know, maybe joint venture, um, even as a passive investor, see what is in the market, see what market terms are, you know, so, so not understanding what is expected, what's in the market, you know, um, an 8% pref, you know, maybe, you know, understanding what asset management fees, you know, acquisition fees. So, you know, people are sort of looking for a general structure mm -hmm. in the market. And if you deviate from that too much, you know, you're not gonna be successful. Right. Um, then I think the other really important thing is for your first deal, 
put it together, put it together right, put it together conservatively, you know, you want to have these investors coming back over and over again. Yeah. For the long um, term, so those right? are, yeah, yeah, for the so, long term, absolutely. So, so it's a couple of different, you know, making sure you got your, over prom don't overpromise and underdeliver. Yep. Maybe get in. I, I like the advice you say. Get involved and maybe as a passive on a deal or understanding what, what the benchmark is in, right. in the market in order to be uh, set that bench tone. Because otherwise, yep. if, you, if you do it something di different, people are going to be like, I don't want to invest in that That's deal. That's right. Um, but let's talk just a little bit about if someone comes to you and says, Hey, Pete. Do I even really need to syndicate this deal? And, and let's define the difference between sure. a syndication and just a JV. Because yeah. you mentioned JV yep. just then, and there's, there's yeah. definitely two differences. That's right. So typically, if you have, if you're lucky enough to have one equity partner who can provide you all of the, all of or 90, 80 percent of your equity, um, then you know you don't have to go out to 10, 15, 20 investors and syndicate, you know, 25 or 50 percent chunks. Right. Uh, 50,000 chunks. So um, typically in a joint venture, you know, you'll have one, maybe two, or maybe one group who's going to provide the majority of your equity. Uh, you know, they're going to have a lot major decision rights. They're going to have a lot more control. Um, they're going to have, you know, manager removal rights. So, so they're going to have a lot more involvement and a lot more oversight. Right. Um, compared to going out and syndicating, which is, you know, sort of selling LP interests, and maybe you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 or more investors, they're going to be very passive. Um, they're not going to have, you know, many, if any, voting rights in that particular deal. They're not going to be able to tell you, you know, when to sell, um, you know, how to run the deal. Um, so, so that's sort of the two, I think, main strategies for providing the equity piece for, you know, any particular transaction. So, so just in general, to, to layman people out there, you know, if I'm going with my, my brother and my dad and my uncle and we're all putting in $100,000 each and we all sort of got equal voting rights, that's not a syndication, right? That's more of a JV. Well, yeah, and, and, the, and the term is really like, are you selling a security? Right, right, right. right. So if you have five partners and they're all equal and they all have control, mm -hmm. and, and it's a lot more sort of technical than this, but right, generally, right. If, you have, if you're taking people's money and those people are totally passive, they're writing you a check and they're saying, go make me money, and they have no involvement and no control, that's a security. Got it. So the more people actually, if you and your brother and your dad are all in a deal, you know, every single, you know, uh, capital raise, uh, every single decision is, you know, it's got to be two out of the three of you. Sure. That's a different story. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And that's, and that, again, I think understanding that because some people come and say, oh, I need to syndicate straight away. And right. like, you know, that's not necessarily what yeah. you have to do straight off yeah. the bat. Yeah. So I think that's, 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 that's really, really good in terms of understanding the difference between the two of them. So let's flip the switch on the passive investing side. What would you advise um, someone to look for in a yeah, sponsor? Absolutely. Uh, when maybe it's in the PPM or what, what are you what are you advising on those sort of passive investors to look for? The maybe the top four or five things that, sure. that they need to see, look out for. So again, there's there's a lot of things that are not in the legal documents. Mm -hmm. uh, but starting with what is in the legal documents, you want to look at the waterfall. You know, how does the money get distributed? Uh, you know, what's the return? Uh, what are the fees? You know, are, are there an excessive level of fees that the sponsor's taking, or is it market? Um, and, you're, and you're looking for things that say, okay, the sponsor's uh, returns and the sponsor's interests are aligned with mine yes. as the investor. Uh, you want to look at transfer provisions. You know, what, what can I do if I need to get out of this deal, or yep. you know, I need to, to put this interest in another vehicle. 
Um, you want to look at the debt, if you can, that's on the property, which is really important. Um, and then there are things that are not in the documents, like, um, you know, when I talk to the sponsor, are they responsive? Yeah. You know, do they give me the answers that I want? Right. Um, you know, do they have a are, track record? Do they have a track record? Yeah. Uh, you know, who has who invested with them before? Right. Because, you know, you can have, and we can make comments, and you can have the perfect set of documents, but if you invest with the wrong sponsor, um, and they're over-promising, you know, kind of the flip side of what we talked about before. Uh, one other point on that, you know, are they reporting, you know, when they give you an IRR, is it an investor-level IRR? So are you getting true information, you know, and do you feel comfortable? Right. At, the, at the end of the day, is this sponsor somebody who you think you can trust? Sure, sure. No, I think that's, that's, that's exactly right. I and mean, you're summing it up in a way that you've got to trust them, you've got to understand their, their responsiveness. Yep. And it, it goes back to what you were saying before about the industry standards of fees. Absolutely. Um, the structure. But, yeah. but understanding that a passive investor doesn't get to, the reason you're investing passively is because you trust that person or syndicator That's right. to make you money. That's right? right. They're the expert in their field and you are, you know, essentially uh, an armchair investor yeah. and you don't have the time nor the energy to go out and find those deals. Right. So you're going to find someone who does. So That's and, right. And you, you're the person who helps to put it all together, right? Make sure that there's, you know, everyone's protected right. at, the, at the end and, of the day. And if we're reviewing a document on behalf of a passive investor who's one of 20 in a deal, you know, you may not have the ability to make changes, right? but you may find enough things in that deal and you say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll find another sponsor. Right. Because there's lots of opportunities. Um, and again, in this market, there's lots of people who are putting deals together that maybe don't have that track record right. or maybe, you know, don't have the understanding of what should be, you know, in the market. Yep. No, completely understand. So talk to me a little bit about the where you're seeing, you know, you mentioned 506B and 506C. Yes. Maybe you want to, want to, want to break sure. that down a little bit yeah. because a lot of people probably hear all this That's right. Legal mumbo jumbo. Legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> so typically, uh, up until what's called the Jobs Act was passed uh, a few years ago, you everybody typically relied on 506B. Um, and basically that means you can have all accredited investors, you can actually have up to 35 non-accredited but sophisticated investors, although we typically advise most of our sponsors to just accept accredited anyway um, because of the now, why is that? Because when you have un uh, unaccredited investors, you actually have a much higher level of disclosure required, mm -hmm. um, which can mean a lot of things, but basically what it means is you're going to pay me a lot more money <laughs> and you're gonna, it's going to take a lot more time. Right, right, right. Um, and, your, and your risk goes up because of the type of investors that are in your right. deal. But so the 506B, which is sort of the typical way, uh, does not allow advertising. So basically you'd have to go and you form relations and you go to events like this and you get to know people, you build your investor database and you talk to them about your business, but you don't advertise a particular deal until you kind of get to know them and you bring them in. And um, what's, you know, the, what's the rule of thumb on that? Because the SEC isn't very clear, right. but there's, you know, people, right. people have sort of, is it a month, is it two months? You've got to yeah. sort of like a paper trail of, of, of getting to know one another. And the answer, which everybody loves to hear from their lawyer, is it depends, right? <laughs> so there's, there's, no, there's no bright line. It's not like a month. Right. Um, there are some cases out there, SEC issues, things called no action letters, mm -hmm. where people can write in and ask them to opine on a particular deal they're putting together. Um, and, and I think it was a crowdfunding site got one that they said, yes, a month is long enough. But, you know, again, it depends on the deal, right? right. Um, Hence but, why you're saying that going with fully credited, you sort of take that risk off the table. Well, bit. you still have to, if you're doing a 506B, oh, so you yeah. still have to go through that period of 
no general solicitation, um, you know, and establishing a relationship with your investors. And whether that means, you know, we talk at this conference, I get to know you, um, you know, a week later I call you, we talk some more, and then two weeks later you show me a deal, that's probably okay. Right. Uh, you know, as opposed to hey. you've got to wait another week. Right, right. But right. if you walk up to me at this conference and you say, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I'm a syndicator. Let me show you my deal. And, you know, so there's no opportunity for me to sit back and get to know you and analyze and do my diligence. Right. I mean, that's that's right. a theory. Right, right, right. So, go ahead. yeah. So with a, with a 506B, uh, once you have established that relationship and you go out and you get your investors, they sign a document that says that they self-attest, hey, I'm accredited, and here's why. Mm -hmm. So contrast that with a 506C offering where you can advertise. You can talk to me about your deal today. You can put a, an advertisement in the Wall Street Journal. You can talk about it on your podcast. The flip side being that before you can take any investors, and in this case, they have to be only accredited investors. Which means earns over 200 grand, all worth a million bucks. That's right. As a, as a single person. Uh, 300 with a spouse. Yep. Um, but the caveat is that those investors can't just sign a document. You have to get them verified. Um, and there are sort of safe harbor ways to get verified. One of the main ones that most people use is a third-party verification like verifyinvestor.com or... Um, you know, there are other ways like you can get a specific letter from a CPA, but, you know, I find having the third party do it, you know, you check the box, you pay a little money and that's how most sponsors do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And yeah. I, I know when the, the, the Jobs Act changed, it was sort of this whole 506C, you know, it's advertising and everyone was a little bit cautious right. and every single lawyer I seem to speak to was saying, well, don't be the first one just to go out and blast yeah. it on, on Facebook, yeah. right? You know, so has yep. it changed in the last 12 to 24 months where it's, people are getting more comfortable with that advertising scenario or avenue? I think, I think it has changed. Um, I, I think people are still a little wary of it. I, I mean, I think people, you know, try to do the typical thing of building their investor database. Oh, right. uh, there are so many crowdfunding sites now. You know, some are better than others. Some vet the deals before they go on. Some form their own SPVs. You know, some just... SPV, sorry. Uh, SPVs, so, so like Realty Mogul, for example. Got it. In each deal, they will put together an LLC, mm -hmm. they will amalgamate investors, and then they, that LLC will invest in your deal. Got it. Got it. Other platforms, you just pay a fee, and it's you know it's out there for their investors. Yep. So, um, you know, and I, is there is there a, is there a conflict of interest? Can you put it like, Can you do a five or six B with the crowdfunding site? It depends on the crowdfunding site, but most crowdfunding sites are, are will only accept five or six C offerings okay. because. Otherwise, they have to go through and establish the relationship, yep. and so. Right. What, what's your What's your thoughts on the crowdfunding? Because I've looked at it a couple of times on a few deals, and I've just got an email actually the other day, and I won't mention the name of the company, but they've they've gone they've vanished. Yeah, I, they're, I, they're, we, I, I know the name. Yeah. yeah, I know the one you're talking about. But it seems that it's sort of like it was as quickly as they came, they quickly coming yeah. back, you know, and, and yeah. it's not as successful as yet as everyone thought it was going to be. What's what's going on there? Well, I think the fact of the matter is you still have to find accredited investors and you still have to get, you know, really great deals. It's not like, so there's there's Reg A+, which was also added by the Jobs Act, which is, you know, you can go out in the market and you can get non-accredited investors, but it's a whole nother process, much more akin to a public offering. The legal fees are Huge. very expensive. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, Realty Mogul, to use that as an example, they did a REIT, mm -hmm. uh, which is 
100 million dollars or something you know and that's a reggae plus so it, they could accept both the credits and they can accept you know the average Job. you know everyday person right um so so people are doing that but i think in general you know crowdfunding is just another way of another avenue for to find accredited investors you know it's not it's not replacing events like this and general networking it's just another avenue um, people still need to be careful and vet the deals. And now you've got to vet the, the crowdfunding platform. And it's still a bit scary, right, to, to sit, you know, I'm going to look at a deal online, invest with somebody I don't know. And press it's, enter and there's right. 100 grand, right? Right. <laughs> now, there are some great deals out there, but I think most people are still going through that process of building their database. It's still nice to meet people face-to-face. -face. Right. Um, right. So I think that, you know, and, and frankly, most of our clients are doing the old method and, and building their database. They want those people to come back. Right. They don't want to be on a platform where six other multifamily sponsors have their deals. Right. So, and, and I'm definitely seeing in, as a sponsor the difference, what I said before, the sort of the flash in the pan guys are yeah. starting to go away. Like, yeah. you know, you, you're starting to see the realty moguls and um, who's another big one out there right now? Um, uh, there's um, uh, crowd, crowd, crowd Street. Crowd Street, Realty um, Moguls, and there's one uh, other one. Not real, real shares. Real shares, yeah, real yeah. Real shares, yeah. yeah. So, yes, but it, it, I, 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 my, as a sponsor, word of caution to those people out there is don't think I'm going to go get a deal under contract and all of a sudden you're going to get it funded by a crowdfunding website. That's know, right. Well, know, that's, 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 that's right Don't too. do that because yeah. I have been, I've seen people do that and been burnt, really. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Work and, and, on, your, on your platform, right? And the good crowdfunding sites will look for, just like everybody else, you know, tenured, experienced sponsors, um, you know they've got a reputation. Right. So again, it's it's just another avenue, and and you know with the amount of deals that are on these sites, as a sponsor, you know you you, you tell me, but you know would you rather do that yep. or have an investor database that you've built that you know only looks at your deals and says, hey, when's your next deal coming? Exactly. I so, think I think you know being at these events, as you said before, like being the thought leader, you'll be yeah. up on stage tomorrow, yeah. attracting those investors organically, yeah. is, and putting the education piece out there, I think, is so much more important than yep. just relying on someone else to raise That's your right. money. And I think it, we could talk a whole podcast about old versus new way of raising yeah. money, but we, yeah. we won't. Um, one thing I want to do quickly touch on, and giving you you're a lawyer. And this shows a little bit about international investors investing in Regulation S for SAM. Yes. You know, international investors. Yep. Talked a little bit about high level what that yeah. is and how does that so differ from the Reg D? It, it, it's an offering for offshore investors, basically. Right. Um, and you can have, you know, Reg S and Reg D offerings simultaneously. But Reg, if you can. In a, in a Reg S offering, you're only offering to offshore non-US investors. Right. Um, so that's sort of the the vehicle. Like if you had, um, we've had hundred Australians, hundred Australians. <laughs> Are there that many Australians? Uh, you know, we had a deal with a number of Japanese investors, okay. um, and that was just the reg S piece of that. Um, Is there any other hurdles that the, the U.S. government, from money laundering point of view, that you have to jump through to, you know, to, oh, great, I'm going to go with reg S. And you know, do I have to go through any other hoops? Well, it's not just Reg S, right? Yeah. So, so if you have foreign investors, um, in addition to the tax hurdles, in addition to potentially having to abide by securities laws in those other countries, uh, there are, you know, in this day and age, more and more countries on watch lists, mm -hmm. and you know, money laundering issues, and OFAC, and you know, all these uh, things, which I know enough about to be dangerous, but you know, we <laughs> rely on tax and regulatory experts for. But, right, but there right. are certainly other things to consider if you are looking to raise money from you know foreign investors got it got it okay and um 
if they, people want to know a bit more about that, come to you. Do you, do you do Regulation S or just Regulation We B? do. Okay. We do, and we can help with all of these other things and tax, you know, but we have outside tax counsel. I don't do tax myself. You know, we have regulatory counsel. We have experts in these various fields that assist on, you know, each transaction. And just to dumb it down a little bit, it just means that you have, you have to have a lawyer for the syndication piece, but also a taxation attorney or someone who can right. help you yeah. on your taxation exposure if you bring in foreign investors, because there is, what's it like, uh, you know, withholding 30%. Withholdings and yeah. various treaties yeah. and, do, yeah. Yes. So it, yeah. it is complicated, no. uh, but there is information out there. Pete's the guy to talk to. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a good point, you know, right? If you're doing syndications, you want the right team and that includes a lawyer who not only knows the real estate side but also the syndication and security side and who can advise you know on any of these tax issues that come up exactly. or at least a, a firm that has all those avenues right right right, right. well pete uh i know we, we want to get back into the the, the networking the, the bars out behind us all right <laughs> but before we do um you want to give me like you want to dive in and give me your top five investing tips top five well, investing I'll, tips I'll, 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 I'll walk you through them really all right well. so First one is um, what has been what's the most what's the daily habit you practice to keep track on towards your goals? I use Outlook religiously, okay. and if it's not in my calendar, it's not happening. <laughs> and if I schedule a call with you at three thirty and you call me at three forty-five, I've probably got something else to do, unless it's you. <laughs> so, good, good. No, but I, every, everything's got to be calendar written I'm down. If, not, if not the calendar doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist. That's right. <laughs> um, and even sometimes when it's on my calendar, it doesn't exist. But. <laughs> Who's been the most influential person in your career today? So when I was a young baby lawyer uh, at Sherman and Sterling in New York, uh, there was a guy named Casey Dwyer who unfortunately has since passed away. Uh, this was the time when everybody was putting, um, you know, chopping up loans and um, putting them together in securitizations. Um, and he called me into his office. That was, you know, back in the days when you could smoke in your office, and and he would I've, sit I've me down. <laughs> and basically say what we are doing is you know BS and he would explain to me why he was a straight up shooter and he really influenced my career and taught me how to beat number one practice law the right way right like you know represent clients in the right way don't do shady stuff even you know if you're if the higher-ups you know want you to do it uh, really just a stand-up guy you know great boss great mentor awesome. Well, I'm sorry that he's passed away, but, but it, 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 he, right? he smoked a little too much, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. uh, Back yeah. in those days, I could imagine, right? Absolutely. Uh, what's the most influential tool in your business, whether it be software or hardware related? Uh, I'm going to have to say my phone. A lot of people say yeah. it, actually, on the show. Oh, man, I wanted to be original. <laughs> that is definitely not the most All original. Right. No, but that's okay. No, but, but, but a phone is it's, it's really important. I mean, it, it, you know, it drives my wife crazy. It drives everybody crazy. Um, but... You know, it's it's always at my fingertips, and you know, clients expect it. Unfortunately, um, and again, you know, my appointments are always in there. It's reminding me in my pocket. Um, it's probably so, vibrating yeah. right now, right? It is. I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, I would have to say phone as a, as unoriginal as it is. Awesome, man. Uh, what's been the biggest failure in your career to date? What did you learn from that failure? The biggest failure. I think my biggest failure was thinking that I could go into a New York law firm. Uh, you know, I came out in '99 when the tech boom was happening. Um, you know, people were salaries were doubling. You know, bankers were taking helicopter rides, uh, and just thinking without putting in the hard work. You know, I'd just fly through and make it through in Park Avenue apartment. Um, you know, and not really understanding that process. And also for me, 
uh, you know, the, the sort of big firm life was not the right fit for me. Right. And it took me three or four firms to figure that out, you know, and then kind of coming out here, having my own firm, um, you know, and figuring that way and being a little more entrepreneurial for me just has made my career take off and made all the difference. That's interesting that you've gone from being your own boss to going back to being an yeah. employee. That would have been so, a hard pill to swallow, right? So being at a very large firm was a hard pill to swallow and led me to start my own firm, uh, which was great. But, you know, as my practice grew, uh, you know, then you're the webmaster, right. um, the, the secretary, puppet, you're the puppeteer. <laughs> and so you know, I know you know you've got a partner, and and so you know, I'm at a small firm, a boutique firm, uh, very well known in the real estate space, very good name in the corporate world, uh, but still very entrepreneurial, very small. Uh, you know, I say, hey, I want to go sponsor a conference like this. You know, there's, there's not 15 people I need to talk to. I you know, I work daily with the two guys who run the firm. So you're a big fish in a small I'm, pond, right? It, it's I'm a big fish in a small pond, and you know, and it's the best of both worlds awesome. so far. So far, so, so. Far. When, you, when you come over to the capital raising side, we'll we'll, we'll, All take, right. we'll, we'll take care we'll of it. That's right. <laughs> but mate, um, people want to find out a bit more about you. Where do they go? Yeah. Where, can, where can they continue the conversation? So we can go to the website is Sklar Kirsch, S K L A R K I R S H dot com. Uh, my email, P Fisher, F I S C H E R at SklarKirsch.com. Uh, feel free to contact me, shoot me an email, uh, give me a phone call. Love talking to investors, potential sponsors, and uh, happy to chat anytime. Yeah, and I would say that get Pete on your team early if you're thinking about doing a syndication because you will be very critical in the process yes. of closing. If Pete hasn't come on board soon enough, you may delay closing because the PPM Absolutely. documents are not in place. The earlier we can get involved, the better. Yep. Yep. Well, yep. Pete, thank you so Absolutely. much, mate, for Thanks coming for on the show. Thanks for having me, finally. Yeah. Good to do um, it. It's been an absolute pleasure thank to have you. you on there. Guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care. Be safe. And remember, happy investing. Thank you.